Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me for another week. A bit of a shorter one this week than uh, usual, but short but sweet, some really good stuff in there. This week's conversation is with Jimmy Taylor. Jeez, uh, Jimmy's had a, a massive life to date. He's uh, spent some time on the AFL list for St Kilda. Um, he's become an accountant. He's had a pretty established acting career featuring on like... Oh, City Homicide, Underbelly, Rush, Neighbours, Blue Healers, Hawaii Five O, just to name a few. Spent some time in LA acting and uh, a PT to some big celebrities over there. And now he's got a gym in um, Melbourne and in pretty heavily in the fitness industry. So really wanted to have a chat with him um, and yeah, hear all about his life and how things have progressed throughout there and the lessons he's learnt and yeah, although it's a bit of a shorter conversation than usual, there are some absolute pearls of wisdom in there um, that I think you'll really notice and I think you'll really enjoy getting out of this episode. As always, if you've got any feedback, uh, hit me up at braintrailful at gmail.com. Um, what else do I need to tell you this week? Oh, if you've got any suggestions for upcoming guests, that'd be fantastic. I'm putting, I've been putting a bit of energy into the Inside Running podcast the last couple of weeks. And um, yeah, tell me the tales is just ticking by. I've got a few good interviews coming up in the next two or three weeks, but it's always good to uh, have some suggestions, especially if you can hook me up with some contact details as well. So I'll leave that one for you uh, to help me out. Enjoy this chat with Jimmy Taylor, guys. Cheers. Radio Jimmy Taylor, welcome to the Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me on, Brady. Yeah, as I, as I was just saying off air, really uh, looking forward to getting into your story. You've been a bit of here, there and everywhere in a few different worlds. So um, yeah, looking forward to spending the next 40 minutes with you and having a bit of discussion about that one. Sounds good, sure. Uh, as I get the guests to do every week, Jimmy, I get them to introduce themselves. So do you maybe want to tell the listeners uh, who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, sure. So Jimmy Taylor. Uh, my name, and I run a fitness studio in Richmond, Melbourne, 
Uh, I've got a, you know, quite a diverse background going from, you know, playing AFL football and, you know, once upon a time spent some time at St Kilda. Uh, also, you know, a chartered accountant and then, you know, an actor, then, uh, yeah, fitness, but always been involved in fitness, yeah. Yeah, right. And uh, whereabouts you grow up and stuff? Grew up in Montmorency, a little suburb in the northeast of Melbourne, you know, probably about half an hour away from the city, although with today's traffic, it's probably more like an hour. (laughs) Back in the day, it was only 25 minutes, but yeah. Yeah, right. And um, footy, obviously the first love, like as a kid? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, football, very much. You know, I think, you know, as a kid, kind of got involved in everything from, you know, Cubs and Scouts and uh, cricket and football, little ass, whatever was going on in the local community, I tried to get involved in amongst it kind of thing. So, yeah, football was always always the number one, though, and always took up most of the time. So that was the one that kept me outside, you know, the latest, kicking a footy around with my brother, yeah, till all hours. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, we were a pretty talented junior, obviously, to go on and play AFL. You must have had a bit of talent there, or was it just as much hard work? No, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a good good question. I'm I'm not sure. I don't I don't think I was gifted with talent. Um, I, I didn't have the high skill level, uh, so I sort of just had to you know keep battling my way around it and just keep working hard and trying to keep myself fit and try to keep finding the ball. You know, try to keep proving a proving a way to keep myself in the team kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and was it like the traditional way of getting drafted through like TAC Cup and then, um, yeah, got picked up and stuff? No, it was a little different. I So I got the tail end of the under-19 program. So I did all uh, a lot of development football at Collingwood. Uh, so, you know, going through from under-14s, 15s, 16s, all their development programs and then ended up playing Collingwood under-19s when I was 16. And uh, then they converted to the under-18 competition. So... I thought I'd be I thought I'd be smart playing senior football in the Diamond Valley League when I was 17 years old. After having a year in at uh, Collingwood already, I thought, well, if I focus on my year 12 and get lucky enough to play senior football at a local level, then I'll go back to top age under 19s at Collingwood and be uh, a lot more experienced, having played against mm. some very hard physical men in the Diamond Valley. So uh, that was my plan. I thought that was a terrific plan. Uh, concentrate on the schooling and play some tough senior footy. Uh, but then it went to the under-18 competition, so I was kind of, you know, it was a, in hindsight a bit of a bad idea, but who knows where it could have ended up. But but it was a yeah, good experience anyway, playing senior football, but then got lucky enough to get drafted by St Kilda. So. Yeah, right. So were they keeping an eye on you when you were playing those senior footy down at Diamond Valley, did you say? Yeah, so they I was about 19 when they picked me up, so... They they must have been keeping an eye on on the competition, I suppose, looking for people that might have uh, you know fallen through the cracks or just yeah looking looking for something anyway. Yeah, and that would have been a pretty big deal at the time as well. I can imagine living in Melbourne and that city kind of lives and breathes AFL footy, and it's kind of every kid's yeah. every kid's goal to play uh, AFL footy. Yeah, it does indeed. It was you know pretty daunting back then as well. You know, still feeling pretty young about it all well I was I suppose 19 and then here you are at training running around with guys like Tony Lockett Robert Harvey and Stuart Lowe and Nicky Winmar and and the like so it was uh yeah a bit bit daunting bit intimidating certainly didn't want to 
ruin the training drills or anything like that, but also uh, wanted to make sure that I got myself as, as fit as I possibly could as well. Yeah, and what did that look like back then? Like getting yourself, like, was that a lot of stuff in the weights room or endurance fitness or kind of the game fitness or what was the kind of general week of exercising looking like? Yeah, there was probably more time in the weights room back then than there is now. You know, there's a lot more running about it now, but uh, I was an on-ball player, so running had to be pretty important to my game as well. So, uh, And back then it wasn't fully professional, the AFL, so you still had half of the team that were working full-time in other jobs, whether they were plumbers or real estate agents or whatever they might be. You know, you certainly had your... Your, your better players, you know, your top 10 players on the list, they were fully professional and being paid enough to be able to do that. But had a lot of guys that still had either full-time or part-time jobs that that were there. So, you know, your midday training sessions, people had to get time off work and also the afternoon training sessions. Most of the time it was starting at 5 o'clock. So people were turning up in their work gear and then uh, getting changed. So it was... You know, it was like at that transition too from that fully professional to semi-professional in that AFL. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so I was, uh, you know, you did do the morning sessions as well. They were non-compulsory, but, you know, wanting to try to impress and get myself as fit as I could, I was going to the morning sessions whenever I could, you know, still living in Montmorency, which was about an hour away from Moorabbin where training used to be so you know you'd get there for your 6am session so you used to get up early to do the running sessions and then you go back there in the afternoon for uh, the, the more serious ball drill sessions yeah. Do you reckon that's not a bad thing though having that kind of balance in um, you know yeah the elite sport as well as kind of having a bit of a job on the side to keep everything balanced up? Yeah I think that's a good point I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing I think uh, you know, it's one of the issues today where, you know, young players do get drafted and spend, you know, five years maybe there just fully, you know, at the football club. And then if they get injured or whatever it may be, they're no longer there. They, they seem a little bit lost, I suppose. But to be able to have a part-time job or some involvement or engagement in something outside of football, I, I think is a, a very good thing, a positive thing. I was also doing full-time university at the time, um, and that worked well. So I was I was happy to do that. Yeah, it, it was good. Gave me a, a focus and interest outside of the training. Yeah, and how many games did you play AFL? Because I was trying to do some research on you, and that stuff was hard to find. I could get all your acting stuff in every single TV show you've been in, but um, the AFL stuff was quite difficult to, to yeah. look up. Yeah, that was before internet, I yeah. think. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I just played reserves all year, mate. I, I was only there one year and I didn't play any senior games. So I was just there on the list, you know, playing in the reserves all year and uh, didn't get a chance to play a senior game. But uh, but it was a great experience nonetheless. Yeah, and frustrating to kind of be so close but yet so far? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like I started the year quite well, and it was one of those cases where, from a from a physical fitness point of view, um, you know, I was fit, and I, I I really wanted to to push myself to get as fit as I could. And you know, I was probably running better than I'd ever ran before, and um, you know, fitness level was yeah, at, definitely at its highest. Uh, but with that came the issue of durability, because I like to you know. Um, test the limits on the body and push my body a bit 
you know, during the game, a more of a physical style player. Yeah. Uh, my and because I was at the fittest I'd been, you know, I was as finely tuned as I could be physically. I was more prone to injury, so I, uh, you know, I did. I started getting a few soft tissue injuries, and then you know you start you're feeling really good and and happy with how you're playing, but then all of a sudden you're out for a few weeks because of these injuries that you've you've done to yourself, and so then you're trying to get yourself back into it, and you get a little bit frustrated at yourself that you you're not at that level you want to be, and you're carrying these little niggling injuries, and it does become a little frustrating. So. Yeah, start of the year was was good, feeling great, but then uh, you know a couple of setbacks with annoying injuries that I'd never encountered before. So yeah, yeah, and that consistency is so important in any sport, isn't it? Just stringing the, especially when you're trying to break into a senior team, stringing the weeks together to um, impress, yeah. I guess. Yeah, exactly, and it's one of those things that you know you learn that uh, it's almost like trying to get yourself at that physical peak of fitness but also maintaining your durability Hmm. Uh, so that's um you know it's a a hard balance to find yeah so then when you got was it delisted i suppose like got yeah yeah, Yeah. off their list and stuff like was that pretty shattering for you uh i think i kind of saw it coming yeah it wasn't it certainly wasn't a surprise i was disappointed with my year myself um you know yeah you have an expectation kind of thing, but then as, as the year progressed and then, you know, toward the end of the year, I was, you know, dropping a little bit in confidence. But um, it was one of those things that it was, you know, delisted but invited to do the whole pre-season again with them yeah. and you know, go, you know, stay involved and see how that goes. But, but uh, yeah, I felt that, um, yeah, I guess, you know, almost ideal. Don't don't know if I'm good enough for this kind of thing. Yeah, um, and is that where the accountancy was? That what you were studying at university come into things? Yeah, yeah, I was doing that. So I thought I'd finish my degree, went back to local football, and and played uh, you know a lot of a lot of football at Montmorency out there, and finished the degree yeah in accounting and yeah that was that. Entered the office world. Into, into the corporate world, that's right. Would have been a bit different, wouldn't it, than kicking the footy around and kind of training at all hours of the day? Yeah, very, very different, very different. You know, turning up with a you know, three-piece suit and a briefcase, thinking that's what you do in the office. Found out, found out on day one I was the only person wearing a three-piece suit and carrying a briefcase. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt, very, I felt very important on the train. Uh, yeah, but it was good. It yeah. was good, uh, yeah, good experience, yeah. Yeah, and how long did you do that for before? I just read on the internet that you kind of uh, didn't fulfil you kind of thing and then you're looking for, for a kind of yeah. exit strategy. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great experience though. Uh, so I was at KPMG for about five years um, and then I went, you know, stayed in that corporate world, went into the consultancy world as well so that was uh you know it was good I, look i enjoyed it uh but it was one of those things that there still felt like something was missing um everything was very safe and secure in the corporate world you know uh, comfortable uh, salary so to speak i suppose you know i was feeling very safe um with, with, from all of those aspects of life but there was something that did seem to be missing and, you know, time doesn't wait. It just keeps going by and I, 
there were some things that I'd always wanted to have a go at that I thought, well, if I don't have a go now, then I, I never will. And I didn't want to have that regret of never trying something and, and ended up, you know, regretting that or getting frustrated at myself for not trying it. So, you know, I'd rather I'd rather have a go at something and fail rather than never have a go at it. So, mm. so I, yeah, so I started doing some. So this is while I was still playing senior football locally and working full-time. I then started uh, dabbling in a little bit of these acting short courses to see what I thought of it. Yeah, right. And was there like a definitive moment where you were just at work one day and you're just like, I've got to make, you know, pull the trigger on this? Um, it was a slow It was a slow process. It certainly wasn't an instantaneous one. It had been ticking away for a while and I think it was, um, you know, my sister encouraged me a bit to do it. My brother did as well. And then uh, I remember even my careers teacher in back in high school suggested that I have a look at doing acting, which was the most, yeah, the the yeah, the furthest thing I thought she would ever say. Um, but yeah, so I think that kind of just stayed with me, and I thought I'd yeah better give it a go. But there wasn't any uh, moment of, okay, that's it, um, kind of thing. It was kind of a slow build and applied, you know, auditioned for the National Theatre and still didn't really know, you know, whether it was something I should do. But I thought, oh, I'll go along to the audition anyway. They probably won't let me in. And did I uh, had to do a Shakespeare monologue that I couldn't even make sense of. <laughs> didn't, know, didn't know what they were talking about, but tried to memorise it anyway and, and um, then a contemporary monologue as well but they ended up accepting me into it so then that kind of made me stick to it I thought well this will be this will be good let's see let's see where this leads yeah, yeah. and obviously like you mentioned the school stuff so this was always um, like in your mind and something that you were passionate about but AFL was probably a bit more important to you at that time through schooling and you always kind of put on the back burner and then you just get got back to it yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, you know, it was one of those things as well, like when you're going to school and you're playing footy and you've always played footy through your junior junior years, you know, it's something you know and it's a pathway that you know as well. Uh, you know, you, you know that, that the avenues to take to make it at the highest level, whereas in the creative world, um, you, you know, particularly acting, I had no idea how anybody would ever get involved or how to get involved in acting. You know, I thought you might be just walking down the street and get tapped on the shoulder by a casting agent. I had no idea. So it was never a... Even though I'd always wanted to give it a go, it was never a serious path that I considered because I didn't know what that path looked like. Yeah, take me back to that first time in that weekend course. Like, you would have been a bit nervous walking in the doors, wouldn't you? Yeah, I was. I was. I had no idea what to expect. Um, <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, trying to just hide in the corner, you know, just stay quiet <laughs> and not draw any attention to myself and hope no one will notice me <laughs> kind of thing and uh, just hope I don't get laughed at because it wasn't a comedy. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was. It was quite daunting, you know, and, and certainly I didn't, didn't feel that I was, you know, belonging there, but I was very eager or keen to find out what it was about uh and 
it was um, it was I, I was surprised how much it it's about you know yourself and understanding you know who you are because if you're to play a character you need to have a strong sense on what the motivations and behaviors of that character are but to get to that you need to probably first understand what your own habits and behaviors are so you can see you know how closely you are aligned with that character or not and where you need to extend or bring in so yeah it's interesting it's, it's like it, through through it all it's like i'd encourage anyone to do the course in acting because i think it's a lot about self-discovery as well and also understanding others mm. yeah really figuring out what you're what you're about personally yeah yeah so were you just dabbling in the kind of acting world with these weekend course and stuff while you were still doing the accountancy and playing senior footy at the same time like it sounds like a pretty yeah. busy uh pretty yeah. busy lifestyle at that stage yeah I, I was and it was yeah exactly so it was all pretty full-on um but you know trying to i suppose trying to keep my fingers in you know a few different pies in case things didn't work or it was just you know this ridiculous pipe dream that i had so uh until i started feeling that there could be something there that's when i thought yeah okay best i step away from football and then ended up stepping away from full-time work yeah that's a it's a risky move though isn't it with the like with the accountancy being a pretty steady as and as you said safe kind of paycheck coming in every week to immerse yourself in the acting world yeah it it was and i just bought a house so it was uh yeah i had a mortgage i had to pay as well so it was a risk definitely was a risk um but i thought that as long as i had you know the i suppose the the ca the chartered accountant uh, qualifications and experience i thought I, i could still be employable if things didn't go well and i was still able to work at consultancy part-time so i could get some kind of revenue stream coming in as well mm. if you had to it was a good backup plan yeah yeah that was it exactly yeah so then your first like i've just got a list of you know you've been on underbelly rush neighbors city homicide blue healers just to name a few can you remember your first uh gig i suppose first acting role yeah yeah i, I do i do i think i think that was uh city homicide yeah right uh, yeah yeah so i was uh yeah it was like playing a game of footy first game of footy you know the nerves and you know really just you know really looking forward to it and doing all your preparation you can on the character but also um not wanting to not wanting to ruin it not wanting to, to make an idiot of yourself as well yeah and what kind of like strategies do you put in place to be able to cope with that pressure like your life you've probably been in that situation as you said kind of with footy and now with acting but um yeah do you have any kind of strategies that you implement um there's not like a a strategy per se in terms of certainly not any tricks or things like that that i try to do uh i think it's just preparation um you know like making sure that i was fully prepared and had the you know the lines of the character and all of that genuinely sunken in um rather than trying to memorize things it's like just feeling it knowing it um yeah and, and having it in there as a part of me rather than just 
on the surface trying to remember it kind of thing. Um, of course, you say all that and you feel very prepared, but in the moment, you know, you still have that, oh, okay, the cameras are on me. Don't don't get this wrong. Remember my first line, you know, that kind of mm. thing. Yeah. Get off to a good start. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then like in football or like, you know, in, in running, once you're, once you're underway, you can then settle in and it, it can be quite comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I find that. You go through the first couple of Ks and you're on the right pace and you kind of gain confidence in that and you keep keep plugging on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So very much like that. Yeah, take us, like, give us a bit of a, I don't know, a description about what it looks like behind the scenes. I guess we see it all on TV and Netflix and all that kind of stuff, but, like, what does a general day look like working on some of these TV shows? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, I'll give you an example of, uh, say, when I was working in the US, in LA, uh, Criminal Minds. I'm not sure if you know that yeah, program, yeah. but that's been going for a while. Criminal Minds, and it's a, a big budget TV show. Um, it's an hour length episode that they film in two weeks. So every two weeks they're doing another episode, um, and you know they have a very strong regular cast. And you turn up there, and you, you get your own little caravan that they call a trailer, and you just sit in there and wait until they tap on the door and. Then they put you in hair and makeup, and then you know you're still just kind of sitting there alone on your own. You meet a few people, then you, they take you to the set where you're going to be filming a scene, and there's a lot of people there just setting up lighting and sound. Uh, you know, then they'll come and give you your little microphone, and you'll introduce a few cast members there, and then they'll show you where they want you to stand, and then they'll set up lighting around you, and um, it's it's a lot less glamorous than people think. And then you might you might end up doing about ten takes of the one scene. You know, might be five takes on the other person, five you know, a few takes on the both of you together, and then a few takes on you. And so, you know, and you might be in the middle of the scene, and you might be really in there in an emotional moment, and then they'll call cut because lighting wasn't right. So then they'll reset. So so it's not. It's certainly not this living, breathing moment that you just go all out in one scene and that's it. It's, uh, it's a lot of stop-start. There's a lot of waiting around. There's, um, you know, there's uh, people keep to themselves and it's everyone's just really there doing their job. So yeah, It sounds like a bit isolating as well. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit isolating, you know, and, and it does depend on the TV show, the film or the set and who's running it kind of thing. Some are very inclusive and, you know, you feel a part of it straight away. Others you feel a little bit isolated and you realise it. well, you're obviously just there to do your job. So just go there, do it, leave. Yeah. Uh, And then you're like, oh, okay, that was it. Oh, okay. All right. Like, you know, American Horror Story, you know, when I worked on that, it was, you know, go there, do the makeup, do your scenes, get it done and out you go. It's a late night, everyone's... It's two in the morning, everyone's tired and wants to go home and they just want your scene over as quickly as they can, kind of thing. So, yeah. There must be some times where you come home like a bit underwhelmed as well. You're like, oh, that was it, get in your car, get home at 2.30am and you're like, yeah, is it kind of a big build-up for sometimes no big event? Yep, very much, very much, um, very much. Almost like, you know, preparing for a game of AFL footy and you you know thought about it all week you go out there you play you get absolutely flogged and you hardly get a kick (laughs) (laughs) but in your mind you've you've played this incredible game and had a great win 
um, before before it. So it is. It it definitely is like that. Um, and then there's you know also the side of it where you can do commercials and you might do sixty takes of the one scene. Uh, so you know just because they want to get it right. Yeah, pretty cutthroat, isn't it? Yeah. Just, uh... Whereas theatre, theatre on the other hand, very much is living and breathing and. You know, you can feel the energy. You are in the moment. It, it certainly allows you to immerse yourself a lot more into the character and the story. Yeah, and you kind of, I guess, followed that traditional, like were you doing some acting in Australia and then went over to LA to kind of chase a dream over there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. which is pretty much what you've got to do, isn't it? I don't know a lot about that world, but that seems to be the, the pathway. Yeah, it, it is, exactly. Uh, not everyone does the... You know, does a stint in Australia. Some have gone straight from drama school in Australia to the US and have done well. Um, but you know, it's 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 not um, it's not a high percentage, but some people have. Yeah, and it's extremely competitive over there too. Yeah, yeah, very. You've got everyone from around the US and the world going there, hoping to get a break. The next best thing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, like obviously, you would have had like a manager and stuff. Like, were they? trying to get you onto shows, is that how it works? Similar to kind of being elite sportsmen and trying to get your contracts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, in a way, it is. You have a manager, you have an agent. So I had both of those uh, in the US. I had a, ma- a manager, an agent, and then I also had a commercial manager. So I had three. Um, and then I also still had a manager back here in Australia as well. So there were four kind of all involved trying to get your work and then you know they would send you an email or give you a call and tell you that you have an audition the next day for Hawaii Five O, and here's the here's the scenes that you need to prepare and uh, it's at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning good luck mm, you got 24 that, hours <laughs> yeah exactly and then you go in there and you go in there and there's another five people dressed like you and looking like you all going in for the same role and yeah, it's just a nod, how you going, and in and out one at a time. And, you know, it can be quite an uninviting room that you go into and you do your work and out you go. Yeah, and then you just get a phone call in a, a week or something, is it, to say if you've got the gig or not? Uh, if they want to see you again, you'd probably find out the next day. Yeah. And if they don't want to see you again, you you just don't hear from them. Never so. hear from them. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, pretty rough, isn't it? So, were you over LA doing the acting when you started getting into the fitness industry? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I'd always been involved in the fitness industry. So, yeah. you know, from playing it to then, you know, doing my coaching courses and also coaching some of the Northern Knights development squads as well. Um, so, I'd done that as well. And, you know, also been involved in assisting coaching at senior level and also had a handful of. Just, you know, the odd private client for fitness here, just as something, you know, a bit more fun than anything else. Uh, so I had had some involvement in it prior to going to LA, but then, you know, in between the acting work, which was plenty of time, you know, I needed needed to get some sort of job and pay some bills and fitness industry worked in well because those are, you know, an hour here, an hour there, depending on the client. Mm. And also group classes got involved with there and it just worked in really well with, with auditioning for the acting. Yeah, and the scene in LA would have been pretty good too, wouldn't it? Like the fitness scene over there, everyone likes to look after themselves? Yeah, it is. Uh, they are quite image conscious, <laughs> very much so. Uh, and there's a lot of money in LA. So, 
Um, people either want to be able to tell, show people that they work on fitness in their body by flaunting it, or they want to be able to tell people that they have a personal trainer that they see regularly because they can afford it, you know, kind of thing. So, and almost brag about how much they pay for them. Like, is that a bit of a culture as well? Yeah, they probably do. They probably do. Or they like to, you know, it's, it's one of those things. You do get a lot of referrals from clients that you see because they, you know, the Americans are very complimentary and, and, you know, they like to, they like to spruik things that they do and, um, which is a great thing. You know, they're, they're, they're great at promoting and selling things that they believe in, uh, which is, which is good. Mm. And being, I guess, a PT and actor at the same time, like that's not a bad um, <laughs> bit of advertising campaign for you, is it? Like it's, I've walked to your Instagram this morning and you're like massive, like pretty massive arms and stuff and obviously you got the uh, actor's kind of look, so that would go down pretty well with some of the clients, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know about that, mate. I think you're, <laughs> I think you're um, overselling that one, mate. <laughs> But yeah, you must have had a, a, a quite a well, yeah, like the training celebrities and stuff over there too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, had a had a handful. Um, you know, there were different different stages of celebrity, but um, you know, definitely some regular working actors and models. Yeah, so any pinch yourself kind of moments of like yeah, people you're meeting up with or people you're on the set with? Um, yeah, they, they probably were. Um, I can't. None, none come to mind straight away, uh, but yeah, they, they definitely were. Uh, you know, you meet them and you're like, oh man, that's you know, it's. Um, there's there was a guy, so I was a bit of a baseball fan as well while being over there, and there was this guy called Brian Wilson who was probably the most iconic pitcher in baseball at the time. Um, he just won the World Series playing for San Francisco Giants and then he got contracted to Los Angeles, the Dodgers. And the, he came in and, you know, was just there to do a workout and I'd met him and, and then had to do a second glance and I was like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> this is Brian Wilson. Like, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, there was a few moments like that and, uh, you know, worked out with him and, did a couple of workouts with him actually he was terrific and he he was fit he gave it a good crack yeah yeah i could imagine it'd be uh especially in la you'd be walking down the street and walking past some pretty big name people too wouldn't you yeah that happens quite regularly yeah yeah, yeah there's this little little place called runyon canyon they call it a hike but really it's just a walk around a little dirty trail <laughs> and there's no trees it's a bit arid but it's it's almost like a place to be seen and a lot of people like to take their shirts off while walking around it and or put their makeup on and do it uh but you know you'd just be walking along and there'd be sean penn and chalice theron just walking right next to you talking away just and you're like okay all right yeah so you don't then, see that too often at the tan in melbourne yeah there's some good runners walking around the town in melbourne i've got a few mates that train around there but yeah definitely not um the same credibility as sean penn that's for sure yeah, no, there's some very good runners around uh, around the tan. There's certainly you don't have uh, people that serious about their running running up and down Runyon Canyon like you do at the tan in Melbourne. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, the egos would be a bit less too, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the move to kind of bring the that or you start your own business in fitness back in Australia. When did that kind of moment come about? Yeah, well, I got involved uh, pretty heavily. There was a guy who's from Sydney who opened up. A fitness studio over there in LA 
and he'd probably been open two weeks when I started working there. Uh, so I started working pretty heavily with air and helping build it all up and all that sort of stuff and then opened up a second venue uh, in Studio City and going very well. But then I got married and uh, thought we'd come back to Melbourne. And uh, I thought uh, while I was back in Melbourne, I would check out the fitness scene here and see if there was an appetite for group fitness classes. Uh, and there certainly was. I, I was very surprised at how well the brand F45 had gone. And, uh, you know, having, having uh, you know, a strong understanding of what the fitness landscape is in L.A. and the U.S., I thought there definitely could, uh, there was room for that side of offering, that sort of offering here in Australia. So, yeah. And that was the next step in your life. Exactly, exactly. That's the next step. Getting so, that off the ground, though, must be a lot of work to try and do the kind of research and then find the location and get the staff. Like, it all must be a big process. Yeah, 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 it was a very big process. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot bigger than I thought it would be. Which yeah. is probably a good thing, isn't it? Like, if you knew how much work it was going to take at the start, you might not have jumped into it. Exactly, I might have just gone and looked for a full-time corporate yeah. job and, and the easy option. Back, yeah. back counting numbers in accounting. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to just so, give us a bit of a description of what your, yeah, what, because it's XO Fitness, is that correct? Uh, yeah, Fitness XO. Fitness XO, right. sorry, yep. Yep, yep, no, exactly. So, you know, it is that, uh, it's that hybrid between, you know, your cardio and strength circuit-based training. So interval training group fitness classes so they would go anywhere between 40 minutes 50 minutes per class different structures each day different exercises each day but always working on that work rest ratio where you know it might be a three to one or a four to one work rest recovery uh, so even if you are just doing resistance based training because of the time ratios you're always going to have that cardio element involved with it so, uh, you know, a, a, a workout could look like having exercises such as, you know, the exercise bike, rowing machines, some sled pushing, some burpees, some bench press, some suspension training with TRX and, you know, boxing. So it could involve all of those elements, yeah. Yeah, sounds like a pretty full-on workout. Be... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, but it works. It, yeah, it works. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and... Um... I guess have you noticed some? I guess probably the big thing with the fitness industry, like what are the biggest things you notice, the biggest mistakes that people are making? Uh, I think, I think some people like to, you know, they might push themselves a little bit too hard too early, mm. uh, and, and just going straight into it rather than easing into it, preparing the body for it. Uh, I know there's a number of studios that don't do a warm up, um, and yet they're a high-intensity interval training base. Uh, and so I think that can definitely expose people to risking, uh, risk of injury. Um, then, then also people, you know, so form and technique often is a, a key thing as well. Um, but, but also, you know, there might be a bit of ego where they want to make out as if they know what they're doing, but really they might not. And so they might not want to seek assistance or advice or guidance um it's not always easy to to monitor everybody um yeah picking yeah. up heavier weights than they should yeah 
Yeah, yeah, I feel your pain. I've just started a new strength program uh, about three weeks ago, and I've definitely had to check my ego at the door. Like most of the stuff I'm doing is just with the bar, and I see, yeah, uh, yeah kind of twenty-three-year-old women lifting triple what I'm lifting, and I've got to actually just yeah concentrate on technique and try not to get into competition in there, trying to outdo everyone like I might on the running track. No, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think one of the good things about these classes is even though everybody's in there doing it together you're still really in your own zone and you feel the energy of the people in the room, but it's not like you're in there doing an exercise, looking around at everybody else to see what they're doing. Hmm. You know, nobody's looking at you to check out what weight you're doing or how you're doing it. Everyone is completely involved, engaged in what they're doing. It's just, you just feel the energy of everybody in the room knowing that everybody is doing something. Yeah, and you, you come across, Jimmy, as a guy that just doesn't settle for mediocre or kind of 7 out of 10 life. You're always chasing that, you know, to put the quality of your life up. Would you agree with that one? Yeah, absolutely, Brady, yeah. You know, wanting wanting to make the most of it, it goes pretty quick. Mm, yeah, for sure. And are you still doing any acting these days? I I am. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm certainly out there. I still have an agent here in Australia, um, you know, just... Yeah, no, haven't haven't been busy with it though. To be honest, been back a year from the US, and you know it's really only been commercials that have that I've had. So, but I've still got the agent and still going out there. And you know, if anything good comes along, then terrific. Yeah, have you, you would have learnt a bit about yourself as well over the years with the changing in in occupations and the diversity there. Like any any main things that stick out to what you've learnt. Uh. Yeah, I, I suppose, you know, just going through those changes, it, you know, it, it helps work on the resilience, I suppose, of your own character, uh, you know, and that, that persistence, working on the persistence and knowing that, you know, going through changes, things aren't going to happen straight away. Uh, and also knowing that when making a change, it's, it's like, you know, things can sound good on the on the surface, you know, almost like that thing, like, oh, I want to... I want to run a marathon, and it's not like next weekend there's a marathon. Terrific, I'll just go and do it. Mm. But, you know, there's a lot of hard work in things. To, to get the reward from things, there's a lot of hard work to do. So, you know, it's knowing that anything that I'm going to, to do, it's going to involve hard work to get any result or reward for it, you know, to get the fulfilment from it as well. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you said that because I think in this day and age, People, especially with the, you know, social media and you can get a really good input into other people's lives, uh, it sometimes looks like everyone's going really well, but the hard work behind the scenes obviously doesn't get shown sometimes. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's like, you know, you see somebody finish a marathon crossing the line and it's, uh, you, you see that and they post it all over the social media, like, look at, look at me, look what I did, but you don't see the five o'clock in the morning training sessions that they've been doing or you know the three months or six months or a year preparation that they might have done yeah and it's good to hear you talking about that because it's not just sport it's kind of business and acting and i'm sure a bit accountancy and stuff as well like every every yeah. field you've been in you've learned about that yeah absolutely and uh, you know just a, a more recent lesson i did this adventure race just a quick story uh, it was over in colorado in the uh, in the rockies uh, it was a 48-hour adventure race, you know, it was, um, yeah, and, and you know, the, the 
biggest thing about that that I learned was about preparation and it was hard. It was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. You know, we, we slept about an hour in the 48 hours and, you know, we covered about 200 miles in doing it. But it was, you know, a, a great experience and a, and a real test. It was, a, it was, it was very testing on the, on the mind. Yeah. Yeah. It probably would have been more testing on the mind than the body in a way, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was actually towards the end. Uh, the body started to want to shut down, but, you know, and again, you know, we didn't prepare enough for it. We thought we'd be okay, but we, we finished it, but, you know, we certainly weren't, you know, we didn't celebrate too long. It was like we celebrated for about a minute and then all fell asleep. <laughs> and that was it. Yep. And Jimmy as well, I always like to ask people um, about their personal habits. Like you've obviously been successful in a number of different fields, but do you have any interesting or um, kind of, yeah, any habits that you do on a daily basis that you think contribute to your, to your success? I think I just try to maintain the, the, the balance, really. I uh, definitely try to keep myself physically active because, you know, it's one of the ways I look at exercise is, you know, it's almost – now I've got to the stage that I look at it as though I'm exercising more now for mental health and the physical benefit is a bonus. Mm. Uh, you know, just, you know, maintaining that clarity and that energy level, you know, it's like I, it's like I need to do some exercise to, to feel that way. And so maintaining that balance of even though working hard or focusing on things, I've got to still find time to, to look after myself. Mm. And uh, your daily exercise routine, what does that look like? I like to keep it varied, to be honest. Uh, Definitely do a lot of the the HIIT, high-intensity interval training circuit classes. I definitely do a lot of that. I'm a big believer of that. But also then, you know, I like to do the the odd bit of yoga or just go for a run or to swim or to ride. I really like to keep it quite broad, like cover a bit of everything. Mm. And for the running audience out there, you got any running races coming up? Any fun runs or marathons or half marathons or anything? No, no, I don't. I don't. I, I tend to, uh, I'm trying to battle with my calves at the moment. I have problematic calves that I keep trying to manage. So, you know, I guess some days I feel terrific when I go for a run. I have a nice little trail that I like to run along the rivers. Um, love going for a run. Great to clear the mind. Terrific. But then um, whenever my calves start to play up, I get a little frustrated by it. You know, I just want to be able to do a nice 10K and, and feel good about it. And Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's good. And Jimmy, the last question I ask everyone is, do they have a mantra or a life philosophy or a quote that they try and, you know, stick in their mind and remember when times are tough or on a daily kind of basis? Have you got anything? Uh, look, I suppose I just don't want to, you know, I don't don't want to regret anything, I suppose. That's mm. that's the one, you know, no regrets. Like, to give give it a go, you know, make the most of life. Yeah, you can definitely hear that in your um, story, can't you? Like that goes the whole way through this conversation we've just had. Yeah, yeah, make the most of it. Yeah, that's good. And, mate, where can people follow you online and stuff if they want to keep an eye on what you're up to? Oh, geez, uh, I suppose I do have an Instagram, yeah. So, well, the, the gym's got an Instagram. It's uh, underscore fitness XO underscore. Uh, or also myself, I think I'm Jimmy Taylor 5 on Instagram. Yeah, I was just looking at the, uh, the the gym's Instagram this morning, and uh, and a Chuka boy, Clayton Oliver, has been in the gym. Melbourne footballer, he's uh, he's from just around the corner from my place. Yeah, well, there you go. He's uh, he was very fit. He 
did it quite easy. He's terrific footballer, Clayton Oliver. Yeah, he's pretty fit too. Like he's um, yeah, he always used to dominate the school athletics and all those kind of things up here. Yeah, yeah he's impressive. He's a very good player, good athlete. Yeah, small world though, isn't it? When you're uh, skyping someone on a Tuesday afternoon, and he's been in your gym and lives around the corner from my place. Yeah, there you go. Beautiful, Jimmy. Thanks for your time again today. I know you're a super busy man, and thanks for sharing your story with the listeners. I uh, really appreciate it, Brady. Great to chat. No worries. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Mate. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 